Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Leonard Batello IV from Truth Barbecue coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She is the publisher of SwankyMaven.com. Felice Sloan, welcome back to the show. How are you? Hey, 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 hey. I am wonderful. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for being here. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one. I hope you didn't like Steel City Pops very much because it gone. It gone. All three Houston area locations have closed. Their Austin location also closed. Two locations in San Antonio closed. A couple in Dallas closed, although there are still a couple in the Dallas area that remain. As someone is a is a a person I will identify as a frequent listener to this show, uh, sent me an Instagram DM bloodbath. Adios, Steel <laughs> City Pop. Very dramatic. <laughs> it's a little over. It's a little over the top. He's a little over the top. And he'll be chuckling to himself when he when he hears me refer to him as such. That's funny. Is it someone I know? Yes. I know who it is. I think I know. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll tell you after the show. All right. <laughs> so what do you think? What do you think? Because we like ice cream. Yes. This is an ice cream friendly town. And we have a lot of new ice cream that's opened in the last like year or so. Aqua S, Flour and Cream. I went to Kiwi Creamery for the first time recently. Milk and Sugar, Jenny Splendid Ice Creams is coming to the Heights, Sweet Bribery. What do you think it is about Steel City Pops that came up a little bit short? Let's start with it. They opened three locations kind of back-to-back before they knew the market. I thought that was a mistake. I I called it. I said, mistake. People do it all the time. Um, And they weren't from Houston, right? They're a southern company i think they're like right. well from of, steel city they're from birmingham right right so um completely i always think that's a mistake so i thought that was a mistake number one i went to two of the locations their first location of course in the heights was the one i always went to it was quite busy all the time um i thought they had good flavors but i just and i like going i, I would go like i would go quite frequently to try the flavors the mm-hmm. thing that they had what they had and some of the other places that we go to together or separate, they don't have a good mix of adult and kid space. Right? It's like the adult and kid space are literally, I would be in line sometimes and I love kids, but I'm like, if the kids would be running like it was a playground, it, it was just not a separation. When I go to places like that you've named like Bay and all that, I feel like, there's a time and a place and I can enjoy my ice cream. Right. If and- you go later in the <laughs> evening, you know, fewer right. kids, whereas Steel City Pops, always kids. Always kids. I'm, I'm literally under attack. I feel like I'm under attack. So um, not that they close for that reason, but, you know, I just, I'm sad that they close. I don't think they only needed one location though. Yeah. I mean, I, some of the social media commentary, you know, everybody, anytime a restaurant closes, everybody instantly becomes, uh, a restaurant consultant and a real estate expert. <laughs> right. 
I'm always really impressed by that. Prices, you know, you know, you're paying three, four bucks for a popsicle. That that does seem like a lot of money. I think for me, it's just there's a ceiling on like the flavor potential of a popsicle. Like I would much rather just have an ice cream cone. So I don't, I don't like, I don't know. I think the flavors were fine, but you know, if I'm in that, especially, you know, there's one in Sugar Land, one in Rice Village, that's all fine. But if I was in the Heights in that, in that part of the city, there's a dozen, well, there's three or four different places that I would have chosen to go to over getting, over a, popsicle. getting a popsicle. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, but I still went all the time. Like, I think, especially in the summertime, the warmer months, I went to get a popsicle just as much as I would go get ice cream. But see, ice cream, I eat it all year round. I don't know. Popsicles, I just feel like they have a season for me. Well, and you know, there's those those Mexican paletas, right? Like, oh, yes. Where you can get, you know, really vibrant fruit-flavored popsicles for a dollar or two. You know, and there's the Tampico Refrescaria right there on North Main, not right. very far from, uh, not very far from where Steel City Pops was. I think it's tough in that environment. You yeah. know, I think it's just tough to compete. And then, so then going back to the kid thing, because it is a premium popsicle, right? Like you have like as a fridge, it's a lot of kids. Most people aren't spending that kind of money on a popsicle for a little one like that, right? Like you're right. So that that's a thing too. Right. All right. Topic number two. The owners of Oporto, Rick and Shiva de Vriglio, have plans to open a new restaurant in the Heights called De Gama after the Portuguese explorer who discovered the sea route to India around the Horn of Africa. Or around, yeah. Did you just know that or did... No, I had to look that up. Oh, I, okay. I was going to be like, I am so impressed right now. No, no. <laughs> no, no. My, my knowledge of... Uh, 16th, 15th and 16th century explorers, somewhat limited. You know, it's been a long time since I took world history. Right, right. So no, I had to look that up. But this is, this is kind of an evolution of the Queen Vic pub and kitchen. So the Gama will feature kind of that Anglo Indian cuisine that they are known for with a new wine focus instead of craft beer and cocktails. And it's opening at MKT, this massive new mixed-use development that's coming to Shepherd and like 6th and 7th. It used to be warehouses. And the same developer who built Heights Mercantile is transforming it into office, restaurants, retail. Mendocino Farms has already signed on. Honey Child Sweet Creams has signed on. Uh, I expect more bar and restaurant announcements soon. Um, but this is a good, this is a great get for MKT, obviously getting, getting the people behind a Porto into their project. And it's, uh, an exciting new concept from, you know, for people who like the Queen Vic. And I'm definitely one of those people. I do too. And I think what's interesting, I love to see classic restaurant, um, groups reinvent themselves. Like, well, it's like, we do this well, people like this, this is 
what's hot. Let's combine these things. I love seeing that because they've already, they know what it takes to be successful. So now they're just um, going into a new space, elevating it for new diners and introducing um, some of their old diners to something new. So that's exciting for me. I'm, I'm excited for them. Yeah. And this is kind of the path forward for them, right? They, they closed the Queen Vic last year. They closed the original location of Oporto earlier this year. So they only right now they only have Oporto Fooding House in Midtown, which is beautiful and a and a really smart evolution of what they did at the original Oporto, and so it's kind of in that style, the right. Gama is the next evolution of kind of the the ethos of the Queen Vic. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good thing for Houston, and as you're saying, it's a good addition to that space because I'm I can't wait to see all the restaurants that go every time you something gets announced, I'm like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, I'm in contact. I, I think we'll have, we'll have more information. You know, I, I had, uh, Nick Jamay from, uh, sweet green on a few weeks ago. I was kind of poking him some rumors that maybe sweet green is kicking tires on that location. He wasn't ready to confirm that. Uh, I don't know if that's signed yet or not, but, but that's, you know, Certainly that's in the mix, right? Just like in Rice Village where you have Mendocino Farms and Sweetgreen basically around the corner from each other. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see them either in MKT or somewhere near it. So that's one to keep an eye on. And then a couple other couple other things kind of coming down the pike. Will, uh, worth, worth keeping an eye on. Well, that's exciting. I'm excited. As soon as I pick Eric for information, if I know anything... You know, check out my stories. I'll let y'all know. <laughs> Follow us police on, on Instagram at Swanky Maven. Shameless plug there. Shameless Sorry. plug. All right. And then uh, topic number three, I did want to catch up on a couple of openings, starting with Tejas Burger Joint. This is the burger restaurant from the owners of Tejas Chocolate and Barbecue. Uh, I'm just going to throw this to you because I know you're a big fan of I'm so excited for them. This is so exciting. We talked about this last year, just about the burger, right? We were talking about what you drive to Tomball for this burger that they've created. So the burger not only was getting sold out, the burger has fans. The fans loved it so much that it had its, it has its own restaurant. So you know what? I love it. I'm excited for them, and I'm excited. Um, it's a good burger. <laughs> I, I, good, good does not get at. Good is not a sufficient adjective. You're right, you're right. For that burger, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm it, underselling it. It's a so part of what makes it interesting is that it's a custom grind. It's uh, it's got some shoulder clot in it, which is kind of an old school barbecue meat. Like you don't, yeah. you don't see that anymore. But it's a really smart kind of economical use of, and it's a it's a pretty thick half pound patty. So they they smoke it for about an hour, and then they finish it on the griddle, and then it gets smoked cheddar cheese. Uh, they make their own bacon that goes on there, little aioli. I mean, I had it this summer. I could not believe how good that like even with all the hype for people raving about that burger. 
It is unreal how good that it is. Juicy, yeah. smoky in a good way, it, beautifully cooked, super beefy, super flavorful. Uh, one of the best burgers I've eaten this year for sure. And then, and if it were just a restaurant devoted to that one burger, it might be a little bit limited. Right. They've they've also done like they kind of took their chili relleno sausage that they do at Tejas Chocolates, which is also which is amazing. Right. They turn that into a burger. They're doing like a burger topped with Caesar salad ingredients. They're doing a classic like blue cheese and bacon. You know, that's probably a winner. And then they do like a, a simpler, like classic diner style, you know, six ounce patty, a uh, single double, you know, with cheese. They're making milkshakes. Um, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I've been trying to figure out a way to get up to Tomball to actually eat the burger like to order a couple of these different burgers at Tails Burger Joint. I have not I have not made it up there, but it will definitely happen in time for the next edition of my monthly Where to Eat column. That's good. It's definitely worth a drive if you're a burger person, as Eric said. Well, I was like, oh, it's good. It is, it's happy. It's, you know, it's happiness on a plate. And if you add all, like you're, he was saying, all the different burgers, if you are a burger person, you you have to add it to your list. And they're just really good people. And if you you can make a day of it because it literally is around the corner from the bar- the barbecue place. They're like right in the same area. You can walk. Yeah. <laughs> Although the thought of eating a huge plate of barbecue and then chasing it with a burger. I mean, you just that- do a little bit like Eric. See, you're not you get a little bit of the barbecue, you take the rest home. You just eat, you know, and then you go do the burger. Come on. All right. I Something to consider. <laughs> uh, and then the other opening I do want to note is that the Waffle Bus, the very popular food truck, their brick and mortar has now opened at the intersection of Shepherd and 19th next to Cane Rosso. Uh, this has been a long time coming. The, the restaurant menu kind of takes all the favorites from the truck. And expands on it. Things that had been specials are now on the permanent menu. Like they're doing a chicken fried bacon BLT. That just sounds really fun. They're doing their friders, which is... Oh, those uh, are so good. Instead of sliders, it's it's like little chicken bites on waffle fries. They're doing cereal milk milkshakes. They're doing some brunchy kind of stuff. Anyway, all right. So it's been years since I've been to the waffle bus. You sound like you have a more recent perspective on it. Well... It's probably been at least a year or so for me, but they're like OGs. Like they came up with me. Like, so, um, I mean, I love those guys. And it's one of those things where you're like long time coming. It happened. Um, I'm just excited for them. So I definitely will get by there and check it out. The restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. And a nice addition to the Heights. I mean, a lot of, lot of activity up and down that Shepherd Corridor, a lot of activity along 19th Street. We've seen a ton of changes. Even in the past year, the waterworks opened with Hop Dottie and Verdeen, Virginia Ramen, Squabbles there now. Everything's happening in the Heights. Yeah. You it's all like, it's, it's all a, happening. It's all going down in the Heights. It is not slowing down. <laughs> and the wall but but a lot of it's you know uh, you know, a casual, fast casual, relatively affordable. I mean, that'll make sense to me. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm, it's so funny because every time we start talking about all these new openings and when you think it's going to slow down, it doesn't. It just, it's like, where are we putting all these restaurants, right? And 
they just continue to be packed. We are definitely a city that loves our food. Yeah, it's not. That's not. <laughs> it's not. That's go- not changing anytime it, soon. Not anytime soon. Right. That means job security for it me. It so totally I'm does. All right. That does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurant of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Felice, I kind of sped through the news of the week because I think we're going to go a little bit long with our restaurant of the week, Traveler's Table, newly opened in the former Aki space in Montrose. The owner is Matthew Mitchell, who has had kind of an eclectic career. He was, uh, was in the pharmaceutical industry. Now he's now he's in the restaurant business. It's his first restaurant. Well, let's 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 just kind of start. Let's just kind of start at the beginning. You went to a key. I went to a key. Loved a key. Right. Loved the space. Right. Obviously, you know, didn't work for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. But what did you think of the transformation of a key into Traveler's Table? It's, I didn't even, when we walked in, I didn't even think of, like, I I knew I loved the space. I didn't even think of a key, though. Right? Like. No, it's subtle, but it's effective. Right. Like, well, you know, so some places you're like, okay, it's repurposed. I think that when I walked in, I got it. I didn't think of a key. Um, I love how they made subtle changes that, that works for them. Right? Like. I, right. Just moving the entrance so you come in through the patio instead of into the bar, I think that's a little more welcoming. Mm-hmm. It's a little simpler. You know, the new fabrics on the on the booths, that all makes right. sense to me. They took out the sushi counter. Obviously, they put in that's what they're big. calling the traveler's table, a big right. community table. Right, which and it's off to the side, which I think it's in a good spot. There's no way where where the table is. I wish maybe it was the end where you can see the kitchen i was trying to look they can see the kitchen but they can't see it like where if you're on that end where you just have a clear vision i think it would be cool if you're sitting there you could turn and look like because that's so amazing to me because it's so open and we see open kitchens but i i love the way that they do the open kitchen i feel like i'm a part of the action like we're at someone's house it's very personal um it's, I guess, maybe at the level that it sits or something. I don't know, but I, I, I think the space is amazing. Yeah, no, that is one of the things that they kept was that unfettered look, like all the way into the back of the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And it, it does, it, it is, uh, it is compelling in a way. You know, I mean, we were watching dishes come off the pass. It's like, ooh, you know, looking at looking at a menu, like seeing a dish come up and be like. Oh, is that the is that the pork shank? Is that right? Going, leg going of lamb? back to the is menu, the trying whatever? to find right, it. trying to figure it out. <laughs> you know, and it, it guided our audience, our, our ordering to a certain extent. Um, we just let's just touch on beverages real quick, and then we'll get into food. Mm-hmm. We had a couple of good cocktails. You had the Shogun, kind of an old fashioned riff with Japanese whiskey. Yes, and um, it was, and you know, I thought it was gonna. We were talking about it. I kind of ignored it at first. I'm like, yeah, it's. Everyone does their take on the old fashioned. You put the Japanese whiskey. How great is it going to be? But it, um, their take on it was pretty damn good. 
because as you were saying, I, I made you taste it. I go, okay, you have to taste it. The the Japanese whiskey just really elevates that and just comes through in a very nice way. The way it dances on your um, on your palate. Yeah, I think you were concerned it wasn't going to have a lot of whiskey flavor, right? But that comes through really clearly. Uh, I had a cocktail with uh, vodka and soju that had uh, the little boba jelly balls. Super fun, light, sweet, refreshing. No problems there. And then we had a, was it like a kind of mango-y mule thing? Yes. That was, again, I, I think I think that's the only thing is the cocktails run a little bit on the sweet side, but not in an overwhelming way, not in an offensive way, but just... You know, the food is kind of uh, the food is kind of eclectic in its approach. And so sweets like a pretty safe. Right. And then they're like very light. Right. Right. This that's what I thought. Yeah, it was. They're very light, sweet kind of they don't compete in any way. And I, as you're to your point, they're not competing with the dishes. Right. Right. Yeah. So. All right. So let's talk about the menu because. They're doing something really unusual. It's, you know, Matthew, I guess, has worked. He's lived overseas. He's traveled quite a bit. And so the menu reflects his favorites from his travels all over the world. So you have, so we had, uh, we had salmon tartare, a kind of Japanese style, like a, a kind of hybrid-y, uh, you know, with, like mango and, and serranos for sweet and spicy, but over like crispy rice cakes, which I think of as, as kind of Chinese. It And you think about, even though we saw the menu, it was like, yeah, let's get the salmon tartare. It was one of the standouts because of all everything you just listed. The flavors go together very, very nicely, and it, it's a beautifully prepared dish. Yeah, I I want to come back to the the conversation about plating in just a minute, but you know, we also had ducky Yoza, uh, not quite as successful for me. It was very gamey. The, the, the duck was gamey. I mean, the, the, the dumplings themselves were fried nicely. They were crispy. Right. That's always really important in a fried dumpling. I would have liked to have tried the, soup the pho broth soup dumplings, but they were out of them. Um, other highlights that, that Greek chicken, uh, flatbread, nice and crispy, Good mix of like sautéed vegetables, you know, not just raw, but like really, I think you nailed it. You said, well, why don't you say what you said? I don't have to speak for you. <laughs> right. Um, I thought it was very smart. It literally was like um, a deconstructed euro with with a little bit of, if you were going to add some stuff, I'm like, what does this put you in the mind of? Like, even though we knew it was a Greek chicken flatbread and you're looking at it, but when you're, when you're eating it, it's literally like you're eating a deconstructed Euro, but as he would say, elevate it. And then you folded it. You were like, it, it is, it was done just nicely. Yeah. Uh, leg of lamb with, uh, the couscous. Yeah, couscous and roasted vegetables. With huge flavor in the couscous. Like. Yeah, big flavor in the couscous. Nice. And again, the the duck and the gyoza was kind of gamey, but the lamb was really not. It was not. Like had a, had a nice kind of lamby flavor, but but not but not with the gaminess, not with the overwhelming funk. 
Argentinian style grilled hanger steak was cooked nicely. Could have used a little more chimichurri, maybe a little bit bland. Right. Um, the Mexican, the Mexican street corn soup. Oh yeah, a lotus in a bowl. <laughs> it was super tasty. Very tasty. So we literally went around the world in a night, like culinary wise, right? Right now. Well, all right. So I want to. All right. I'm sorry. So many things. Couple of couple of couple more things I want to talk about before we wrap this up. First of all, presentation is beautiful. It is. All of the dishes are just gorgeous. Uh, Matthew worked with Omar Perinay of A La Carte Consulting to kind of get the menu developed. Um, visual is a, is a big part of Omar's cooking. We we learned that at Pesca. You can see his touches. There's edible flowers on some of the dishes. You know, Omar when he was on the show a few weeks ago talked about. We, we want to kind of build guardrails for people, you know, we want to, <laughs> we want to help yeah. people. We want to right. keep them from going over the cliff. Uh, you can, you can tell his work, even though, you know, he's not going to be there. He's got other projects, but you know, even on a sleepy Sunday when the restaurant, frankly, just wasn't, wasn't very busy, but Matthew was there expediting. Uh, and I thought the crew turned out the dishes, you know, solid versions of the dishes for the most part with, with those, you know, a couple of quibbles. Right. Um, the plating, we were just raving about that, right? Like they didn't they didn't slack on the um on the presentation and it just every time we saw it, we saw it first when it was being coming up like, "Ooh, what's that?" <laughs> we were, "Okay, maybe we're going to get this. Maybe we're going to get this." We changed cuz I I think I was going to get a fish. And then we saw what we thought was the lamb, which right. Was it turned the, out to be the pork, the pork, the Jamaican Jamaican jerk pork. I think. Yeah, they do a pork shank. Right, and um, and I thought it was a lamb <laughs> shank, and I was all I had visions of yeah, asobuco or whatever. Eric's kind of like, that's it. We're getting that. But instead, we got leg of lamb, which I I'm a huge fan of. Right, I, I will never say no to leg of lamb. Right, we weren't mad at it. We weren't mad at yeah. it at all. Um, so the plating, it was. I'm actually surprised that, and not for nothing, so don't take that, but I'm surprised I liked it so much just because it was so much going on well, with the menu. Well, yeah, and I think I think that's kind of gets to the heart of it. You know, David Lefwich, uh, local food writer, someone we both know pretty well, wrote this essay, you know, based on his experience for Houston Food Finder where he talked about, you know, like, why would I get cow soy, a, a Thai noodle dish, at traveler's table when I can get a better, less expensive version at street food Thai market, you know, in the Heights? Or, you know, why would I get butter chicken at traveler's table when I, like, when I can go to an Indian restaurant and get a, a more traditional, more flavorful, you know? And But I, I think, you know, no disrespect to David, right? He's certainly entitled to his opinion. But I think that misses the point a little bit of what they're trying to accomplish. I think, yes, you can obviously go to a restaurant that takes its inspiration directly from one country, maybe served by people who lived in that country. But, you know, Traveler's Table, again, elevated plating, elevated ingredients, you know, a comprehensive experience in terms of service, beverages. You know, it's not, it's not designed to be quote-unquote authentic. I don't think that's really the goal, but I, I could see like 
being with a group of people and somebody's a vegetarian and somebody wants a steak and somebody wants Chinese food and somebody wants, I don't know, pasta. It sounds like a night out with my friends. Right. Right. <laughs> and it's really hard to satisfy all of those cravings at one restaurant. So I don't think it has to be an A plus version of any of those dishes as long as all of them are like a solid B. And, and honestly, I think some of what we had, that leg of lamb, that salmon tartare, I mean, those were, you know, B plus, A minus for me. Right. And so, you know, I can forgive, I can forgive the, the gyoza and the steak, you know, like as kind of quibbles of still a relatively new restaurant that's like kind of getting its, its sea legs under it. Right. But I think based on the meal that we had, I want to go back. I want to explore more of that menu. I want to try that seafood risotto, for example. You know, there's some other some other kind of big deal dishes on that menu. And I'm really curious to see how it shakes out at, at lunch and then, you know, which should happen in the next few weeks and then brunch, which will happen early next year because the possibilities of a restaurant that's trying to serve so many different global cuisines at once, it's like, well, you can really serve anything. You know, and and that's exciting to me in a way. Yeah, um, I piggyback on everything you said. The thing that is very impressive about that is all of us, we could all want something completely different, sit at a table, get a couple of drinks, and go around the world, right? And I taste what you have, and you taste what I have. And one of the things that... um, that they are, you know, talking to the owner, and I think that they nail it. They're not trying to be everything to everyone in the sense of they're not trying to replace your favorite Indian restaurant or your favorite Chinese restaurant. They are taking those dishes where the things that they've added to the menu, let's say butter chicken, and they're putting their stank on the butter chicken, right? They're putting their spin on the shrimp and grits. So they're not trying to compete with um, my aunt that lives in Louisiana that throws down on some shrimp and grits. They're never right. going to win well, that. They're not even trying to compete <laughs> with Lucille's, right? With right. Like, right. Because if what you, if what you want in your heart of hearts that night is shrimp and grits, like go to Lucille's, go to Brennan's, go to, exactly. go to whatever. But if you want shrimp and grits and somebody else wants dumplings and somebody else wants pasta, well, I mean, there's Traveler's Table. Right. Like and just, then you go just there. waiting for you. Exactly. And you're like, hey, I love their spin on these shrimp and grits. Right? Like, it's totally different. So um, when you think about it like that, they nail it on all fronts. And it's a good – the price have a, The price is a great price. It's not – Yeah, most of the entrees are under 30 bucks. Right. So I think, I think dinner, dinner for two in the 80 to 100 range is – I mean, even with a cocktail or two, I think that's certainly a possibility. Yeah. And then if you want to blow it out and dive into the wine list and get the mm-hmm. the prime ribeye or whatever, you know, that's available right. to you. But but yeah, it can be your affordable weeknight dinner spot mm-hmm. without trying too hard. Right. Even the desserts. We didn't talk about the desserts. The desserts were pretty tasty. Yeah, flourless mm-hmm. chocolate cake. I'm I'm never going to be mad at a dish. Like right. That. And I again, bleh, 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 I, bleh. if anything, I think that the desserts were a little bit stayed. Right. I mean, we had you know. There's a ceiling for me on bread pudding. I, you right. liked it. You liked it better it. than I did. I know you were like, yeah, yeah. It's like I acknowledge that this is a decent bread pudding, 
uh, there's a ceiling on that for me. You know, panna cotta, I always feel like that's kind of a, an obvious kind of lazy, but, but again, as the restaurant evolves, right. Better, more interesting dessert choices right. are certainly a possibility. All right, Felice, before you get out of here, what's going on at Swanky Maven? You know, just enjoying all these, catching up on all these new restaurant openings because we have a lot. So I'm trying to keep up with you, trying to keep up with the openings. And that's, you know, that's what I'm focusing on right now and um, for the end of the year. That's it. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. I will be right back with Leonard Batello. You're listening to What's Eric Eating. I'm joined this week by Leonard Batello IV, the chef and pitmaster behind Truth Barbecue, now with two locations, one in Brenham, one in Houston. Leonard, welcome back to the show. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, nominally, you are here to talk about the No Kid Hungry Dinner you are hosting at Truth Barbecue on November 13th. So let's start with that. How did you get involved with No Kid Hungry? Um, Becky from Fluff Bake Bar introduced me uh, to them. And then we went out to St. Louis. Um, where were we? Where's Kentucky? Somewhere in Kentucky. Louisville. Uh, Louisville. Louisville. Um, I was going to just start naming cities. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're in Louisville, which is a great city, by the way. Uh, it's cool. We got to hit a few distilleries just to pop in and out, just to kind of check it out. Um, good times, off topic. Uh, and we we went to the dinner out there, and I, I didn't really know what to expect because I, I didn't have a lot of background on it, so I didn't I didn't know too much. Um, but they showed a video, and and it was kind of just like it kind of took me back because what it is is. There's so many kids in the U.S. or in the entire world, I'm sure, uh, that they their their parents don't pull in enough money to actually feed them breakfast in the morning, and they're working you know multiple jobs at minimum wage, and they, you know they might have four or five kids, maybe more, and um, the kids go to school hungry. And so what No Kid Hungry does is they fund the the meals that go to the schools to you know get those kids breakfast before they get started for the day so they can actually have a productive day and they're not starting off hungry and you know, like that. So it's actually, it's, 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 it's sad to see, you know, how something like that impacts somebody's life that you don't, I mean, we don't have, we don't, we don't have that problem, but you know, there are kids out there that, that don't get to eat before they go to school or do anything for the day. So. Yeah, no, it's an important cause, and they they do that annual dinner or the tasting tasting event here every year. And Becky's been very involved in that, and uh, Ryan Para Albuquerque, you know Daniel Vaughn always recruits like a really great crop of of barbecue joints for that event. But you've got uh, you've got quite a lineup, yeah, for this. Like, it who's, should be fun. Yeah, tell the people who's joining you. Um, so we have Becky, of course, from Fluff Bake Bar. We have Aaron and Patrick Figes from. Just barbecue. Uh, we got Bobby, Bobby from uh, State of Grace and um, Walucha and all those other places. Yeah, Super <laughs> and then, and, Yeah, yeah. And then uh, Nick, Nick from UB Preserve, Nick Wong from UB Preserve, and we're all gonna do a, a course 
for the dinner for the night. And then um, Billy Harris, auctioneer, um, is flying in to uh, auction off some pretty uh, exciting <laughs> um, items. Yeah. So, what are you, so? Do you know what you're making yet? Um, I'm going to be doing a uh, like a, a smoked sous vide beef shank, and uh, we're it's going to be. You know, I mean, you know how big beef shanks are, so. Yeah. Oh, so this is like the whole like this is like the steamship round, or this is like the. That'll, or, that'll, no, no, no. That'll be the that'll be the final course, and then um, Nick's doing prawns. Bobby's doing a a, a pasta. And Patrick and I just talked about what he was doing, but I forget. It's going to be good either way. So him and Aaron are a great team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not really. Their food's always really great. I'm not great concerned they, about them. I'm, I'm going to guess that it will involve kimchi because it seems like every time they they show up at one of these events, it always is funny, Korean. F- funny enough, I think it does actually. I think I did read that in the email. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know how much the tickets are? Um, I should have. I should no. have looked this up. I will. Yeah, link- you should. I think it's. I think a hundred. 130, I think. It's not bad. Don't quote me on that, though. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad. But five courses, appetizers, desserts, the whole the whole thing. Plus, um, Four Roses is going to be sponsoring it, Topo Chico. So go crazy on Topo Chico if you feel like it. Um, or go crazy on Four Roses yeah. and just don't plan to drive home. <laughs> yeah. Please uh, Uber Lyft home. <laughs> or if you have a limousine, please take a limousine. <laughs> yeah. I'll link. I will. Uh, I will link to the event information and the ticket buying and all that stuff in the, in the culture map article that accompanies this podcast. So anybody who wants to buy a ticket, we'll make it nice and easy for them. I, I do want to, I, I, I'm, I'm super curious to talk to you about truth because it's been, we're getting close to a year since you opened the Houston location. Let me just, let me just start at the sort of the most obvious place. How's it going? Uh, it's good. Part of the times it feels like it's been like eight years, and then other times, like when you just mentioned it, it feels like we just opened up. So, <laughs> yeah, it still feels new to me. Yeah, even though, I mean, realistically, if if you count not just the times I come in for barbecue, but like the times when I come in, like just for cake to go, like realistically, since you've opened, I've probably been about a dozen times. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean. I have a lot of different directions, but, but when you first opened up truth and Brenham, you know, there was that image of like you, you know, tending the fire, like sleeping on a cot in the pit room. Uh, obviously it's not like that anymore. So talk to me a little bit about building a team to replicate what you do, because I I think that's gotta be the hardest part is to kind of let go of, like the control, but maintain the standards. So I had to come to realization that, because I'm a control freak. If you ask anybody, I want to touch every piece of meat or look at anything that goes through there just because. Right, You, but you can't trim every brisket no, and you can't tend you can't. every fire. I so. tried to do that and I almost killed myself at the, the few <laughs> beginning months. Uh, and I, I actually, for Texas Monthly, I trimmed every brisket for Texas Monthly and I stayed up there and cooked all those briskets. Uh, well, not start to finish because I cut that morning, but all the way to finish. Um, and I, there's no, there's no way nobody could do that six, seven days a week. 
uh, no, it's it's physically impossible. Right, not with five one thousand gallon no. smokers that need to be fed and tended to. The hardest part is finding people that are as passionate as you, because nobody's gonna nobody's gonna work as hard because you know they don't they don't own it. So it's it's but you get you you want them to feel like it's part of them as well. So that's what I try to encourage the staff. Like this is not my house. This is our house. It's 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 important to make them. They they need to know that they're producing a quality product, and they get excited about that. Yeah, and I think you've you've put together a, a good team. I mean, I, um, yeah, I mean, kind of talk about some of the some of the individuals that are kind of helping you make that happen. I mean, I've met met Cole a couple of different times. I know you've got some guys that are that are all kind of pushing, working with you on this. So what's really good is we got our guys in the pit room, which now they alternate. They they all know how to cook every position. But Reed is our rib guy. <laughs> we really don't like to take Reed off of ribs, but it's it's hard because that's a that's a 1.30, 1 o'clock a.m., 1 a.m. until 11 a.m. shift. So, you know, that'll take a toll on you, but... That guy's that guy's a maniac though. He he went with us to Texas Monthly on Sunday. He started work at one thirty in the morning, and we got back at nine p.m. that night. So I don't know how many hours that is, but that's it's a lot. That's the lifestyle he lives, and he I've never I've literally never heard him complain. He asked me for a vacation. I'm like, yeah, you can go. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> yeah, take a few days. We'll see you next we'll, week. We'll cover you. Um, but then everybody's sad when he's gone because. He's he's just so consistent. Uh, my my brisket guys are are fantastic as well. They don't they don't miss a beat. And it, it, sometimes it sucks because I go in there and I just like look around. You know that the the meme of um, Pulp Fiction. What's uh, John Travolta and he's just like looking around, shaking back and forth. Like yeah, oh, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. That's what I that's what I feel like. But I mean, that's what I ultimately always wanted. Uh, but you know, sometimes you want to feel needed still, <laughs> still. No, I still feel like you're a big part of it. Yeah. How are you, how are you dividing your time between Houston and Brenham? Because- so what's good about Houston and Brenham is our, our two cutters, which are huge, crucial parts of the, of the whole thing, Cole and Dadrian, both of them, um, they have a huge job. Not only do they communicate with our pit room to tell them what they like or do not like, because they're only serving what they want to serve. Uh, they're they're huge. That's like the final, the final. Yeah, that's kind of your. <laughs> they're, they're the gate. They're kind of your, like hands and nose and yeah. They're you the, know. they're the gatekeepers yeah. basically. Um, so what what's good is we all rotate. One of us will go to Burnham each day. Um, so that way we still keep a presence there. It's not like we're leaving it. Um, we still have, a, uh, some people in Brenham that, you know, they just work strictly in Brenham because they live there. Um, and then, uh, one of the guys in the kitchen, younger guy, he, he also works. He'll go up there. Um, his parents still live in Brenham. He goes up there and then he'll come and, uh, help on the pits during the week. Um, so it's just full rotation. So we're not skipping anything really. Yeah, and I guess Patrick Hernandez is kind of the yeah Patrick and my father are going front of the house guy yeah. who kind of divides his time between the two. Yeah, um, a lot of work though, a lot of moving parts. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, we can say like there are very few 
craft like barbecue joints of your quality that are operating two locations simultaneously. I mean, it's like, I think it's you and Micklethwaite and I, I think that's it, right? Yeah. And Billy, oh, I guess Style Switch is yeah, the other one. Styles and then uh, Billy up in New York. Billy Durney. In oh, right, because yeah. he just opened in Miami. Which well, is he, he opened up in Miami and in, uh, when I went up there to cook for New York Food and Wine Festival, I cooked at Hometown. And he was like, why don't you come over to the industry, industry city part? Uh, and I was like, what do you mean? He was like, oh, we opened it last week. I was like, you just opened up Miami. He was like, yeah, but we've been working on this one for a while. Beautiful, beautiful building in, in Brooklyn. And they just knocked it out of the park. It's crazy. It's so cool to go up there. And like when we were cooking, we were cooking on the street. And the lines that they get there, it's like, it's like you're back in Texas. It's nuts. It's, uh, and it's cool to see. It's a different culture there. You have, like, they, they stay open. You know, rent in Brooklyn and New York is, you got to be rich to be poor in, in New York. <laughs> so they stay open until midnight, but they're packed up until midnight. It's crazy. But that's a whole different, whole different lifestyle out there. Well, yeah, that is one of the things I, I want to talk to you about is, you know, you having built this team, you don't have to be there every day. You can travel, and you are. Yeah. Right, you're traveling quite a bit. So, what are you, what are you seeing around the country in terms of appreciation for what you're doing? Um, well, I like to I like to travel for barbecue more so than spreading out in in Texas and doing stuff because the people in Texas they have access to a lot of barbecue joints. The people in other states they they only have access to it online or if they order it online they're never going to get to sometimes you know they might spend their entire life and never get to experience it or come to texas so the reaction from people like out of state and stuff like that is is really cool like it, it was cool in, at new york food and wine festival uh, bert and i were we, we, we were serving beef ribs and these two girls came over we were just slicing the beef ribs and giving you a bite and they they were like we want that one and it was a fresh beef rib that we just cut and we we're like uh, well, i mean we didn't pay for them we got 96 racks so here you go <laughs> here have a have a one and yeah, a half pound yeah. beef rib and they literally they just went to town on it and there's people media over there taking pictures of them just eating it off the bone it was i mean it's it's cool it's something else to experience it's just there's a different appreciation outside of texas i mean does it does it make you think about like wanting to do truth Outside of Texas, or, um, I think I don't. I've always like I've thought about it and thought about it. I thought I think that that would maybe be the only way that I would ever do barbecue again. But then I'd have to be a complete road warrior, and I don't know if I'd ever be home at all. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm already. Abby told me last or yesterday. She was like, "Last week you worked late seven days, which is." You know, eleven o'clock midnight, right? Uh, and I probably went in around eight thirty nine a.m. So uh, I'm already not home a lot. So, <laughs> so I think putting one in a different state would not help my argument even more. Yeah, I don't. It might not be might not be good for your relationship. Yeah, you also have two. I mean, anybody who follows you on Instagram knows you have two really adorable dogs. Yeah, it's like, can't be away from them for too long. No, and that's like Ben Ben. Ben asked me, you know Ben. 
Yeah, Ben uh, asked me yesterday. He was like, are you going to stay in Austin? I was like, no, I, I would just want to go home. I want to be in my own bed, and I want to be with my dogs. And he was like, that's sad, but I'm going home too. I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, the other thing about, you know, I, I know Texas Monthly, it's the first weekend in November. They've, they've, they've claimed that for themselves, which is fine. But when it's F1 weekend, oh God, all the hotels are like four times more expensive than they would be any other weekend. It's just tough. I mean, it's, you know, we didn't, you don't, you we, don't want to spend $600 a night necessarily to stay at a best Western or whatever. No, the prices were jacked up two days before. And I, we were trying to figure out where I completely forgot about F1 and we were trying to figure out why it was so jammed up on the, on 290 and, or what is it? 71, the other one, 71, 71, yeah. uh, like tour buses and stuff. And there's a lot of foreign people and we we're like, where are all these people going? And, uh, that's where they were going. Yeah. They wanted to watch the racetrack. Yeah. They wanted to see cars see drive around in a circle. Yeah. So, yeah. And it's, and, Texas Monthly, no, the beginning of November, this is the beginning of the holidays, so you ask any restaurant industry person, this is the, this is when everything starts getting in gear. <laughs> yeah, this is the time to make some hay. Yeah. And I I didn't realize this until I was talking to uh, to Corey Taylor, your, your operations manager, but you do a bunch of private events, like dinner at, people, people, people are all about dinner at Truth, you yeah. just have to be willing to pay for it. Yeah, which is cool, and it's kind of sad, like, I love, it. I love the the lifestyle of of barbecue and you know getting there early and going until you sell you sell out. But then, if you're in the dining room for private dining and and the lights are dimmed down and it's a beautiful building at nighttime and it, and like you sit back and you see all these people, the music's up loud and they're all drinking and having a good time and doing the same thing. But at nighttime, it kind of makes you sit back and you're like, huh. I'd like to do this. And then you look at your watch and you realize you haven't been home in 14 hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you have a full kitchen. I mean, yeah. you could do, you could do not barbecue at dinner. You yeah. could do steaks or burgers or something if you really wanted to. I mean, that's, I, I'm not going to kick it out of bed because that, that, that street is so busy, especially on the weekends. It's just. Well, and, and doubly more so now that HEB opened up across yeah. the street from you. Which is whoever's, whoever's in charge of that. Thank you. It's very, not for the business, but for the convenience of the, the roastery across the street, the coffee, uh, shout out to all those guys. They're a huge help. They bring, <laughs> they, they bring us coffee all the time and we give them barbecue. It's a great exchange. And then, you know, I can go over there and get a rotisserie, rotisserie chicken or hummus or whatever, if I need a snack <laughs> and it won't take me. That's a very symbiotic relationship coffee for barbecue yeah that works out for everybody yeah it's it's very nice plus they have really good coffee so it's good yeah i i don't know how this came up i was talking to i don't even remember one of the barbecue guy, one of the one of the other people like me who pays too much attention to barbecue and, and i mean we we kind of feel like you might be the next face of texas barbecue right like like there's a there's a certain like celebrity status that someone like Aaron Franklin has achieved. And we feel like you might be the next guy to, to be that. Do you, do you feel that way? Do you agree with that? Is that something you even want in your life or, or how do you feel about that? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I like the idea, but I'm just so, I'm, I'm kind of quiet about it because 
there was a lot of moving parts that helped me get to right to where I am now. So I don't want to ever take, you know, the spotlight off of like the people, like the people like Reed or Fletch or my guys that are in the pit room, because like with people, without people like that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do the stuff that I do now. I wouldn't be able to travel, but I think, I think that would be cool. I enjoy it. Um, I enjoy going to cook with my buddy, <laughs> Burt Backman, uh, from Slab in Los Angeles. And yeah, it's, it's, it's fun, you know, when, when everybody wants to talk to you about barbecue and you get to actually tell it to people that are super interested about it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's where, you know, when, when Wayne was on the show, when Wayne Miller was on the show a couple months ago, he, he sees California as kind of the, the golden market, right? Yeah. The, un, the limitless potential. As soon as anyone figures out like how to make offset smokers work with their air quality regulations, but, that's that's the golden future he thinks yeah i don't doubt it i mean you've been out there a few times like what do you because i think of californians as like eating a lot of seafood and vegetables but i don't know but they, they, i mean Matthorn is opening up in oakland um heritage barbecue is going to be in i want to say it's outside of los angeles um and there's one other person uh but they're they're uh, I, I'm pretty sure they're able outside of Los Angeles you can they're able to use offset smokers, so it's starting to go out that direction. Uh, Bert Bert definitely helped pave the way with bringing I would say bringing barbecue to to Los Angeles. Um, that's that's a, that's a cool story that we uh, crossed paths in 2015. Uh, he had reached out to me on um facebook about barbecue and we've been friends ever since and and we try to travel as much as we can together yeah and he's been here he was here back in march i think yeah uh i wouldn't be surprised if he accidentally shows up on for no kid hungry yeah he's kind of a spur of the moment he's you you just never know when that guy's gonna hop on a plane he's he's a mess he's (laughs) <laughs> he'll be like hey i just i decided i i found a ticket i'll be there where can i stay <laughs> that's, that's you've, got, you've yeah. got a guest bedroom i mean you yeah you'll, you'll find a spot for him. yeah um and then i did i mean so I, I poked you about opening another barbecue restaurant but you i mean you grew up in a restaurant family yeah you you've worked kind of a variety of places i mean do you you know and you were just talking about billy Durney. i mean billy's got a barbecue place and a deli and a, you know, Red Hook Tavern is new kind of bar with the, what apparently is like the world's best cheeseburger. Yeah. I mean, do you kind of see him as a role model where you could do kind of multiple concepts kind of built around live fire cooking? Oh yeah. I, I, I look up to Billy. He's a, uh, he's always lend out a helping hand. I mean, if you've met him, he's very intimidating. He's, <laughs> He was a. Uh, I don't know the when I met him at Southern Smoke last year, and he he handed me a, a beautiful piece of smoked steak with with I think chimichurri on yeah. it, and it was like the it was like the single best bite I ate that year. So I didn't find him intimidating. I found him very hospitable. Yeah, uh, maybe when he's in his Brooklyn Brooklyn environment. Well, yeah. Well, <laughs> the, I mean, the former bodyguard comes yeah, out, right? Yeah, I want to mess with that guy. Um, oh, Billy's talented, man. Uh, no, I, I look up to him. I respect him. He's um, the things that he's done, and and not only Brooklyn, but now in Miami, 
there are crazy. I can't even imagine opening a a, a place with that much distance in between, and uh, you just got to train up the right people. Um, not to be off topic or anything, but uh, it's well, your show. Take it over. <laughs> you drive. Well, when we were uh, when we were cooking at at hometown, we were cooking outside, um, and uh, it, was, it was such a cool experience because I pu- I pulled off a rack of beef ribs and. Billy is Billy's just Billy. He'll do whatever he wants. And he un he unwrapped a, the beef rib that I was taking a or one of the beef ribs that I was taking a um New York Food and Wine Festival. And he goes, I want to show you something. And he just started slicing into it. Um and he put some uh amazing, super expensive uh olive oil, just drizzled it on top of it, some fennel pollen, uh rosemary and some malden salt. And it just, I mean, you've had a beef rib before, but I mean, to have those different, different flavors, it was very uh, simple, but took it over the top. And then he just started serving it to people in line outside. <laughs> it just. Yeah, why not? Yeah. This, you know, this like $45 yeah. hunk of beef or whatever yeah. the hell. It's like, yeah, why not? Why not just give it away for free? Yeah. Billy can afford it. He's, yeah. he's doing all right. Yeah. He's, he's fine. So you think maybe like a, I mean, a tavern or like a... I, I I've always thought about like I like the intimacy of smaller places. Um, it just I think it's more well, you know, now if you can't get into some somewhere, somebody that's where somebody wants to go eat. <laughs> yes, uh, and it's more fun when you're closer together. It's loud in there, and the food is great. I, I always thought it would be cool to have something like that. Hopefully. When my brother, I think he has, he'll finish and he'll finish the Culinary Institute in August, and hopefully we'll be able to do something. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait a little while, and then me, him, and my father will probably do something. I imagine. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be barbecue. Then. <laughs> no, I, I, I'm intrigued by the possibility of it not being barbecue. Yeah. I mean, I, I love your barbecue. I, what did I, what did I rank you like 16 on my list of the top 100 restaurants so. yeah. and something like that. So. Yeah, I I mean, I'm on the record, I'm a fan. But, yeah. Um and and I won't I won't ask you about the way you've been treated by some of the other media in this town. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nah, we won't do it. Yeah. Um but uh but I mean, do you feel I don't know, cuz sometimes I I feel like maybe you aren't like I I just I just don't know I just don't know that other people kind of appreciate like how unlikely it is to not just replicate, not just have two locations, but to operate at the level of quality that you do. I mean, no one's doing that or very, very few people. Well, there's a lot of people like there's, there's a lot of people that don't know the people that appreciate it are the people that know exactly what goes on back there and how much work and stuff like that. I mean, there's still people there's, there was probably a third of the, the people at Texas monthly didn't even know we had a Houston location. So I mean, there's still there's still a lot of people out there that we haven't even touched, and the people that, you know, you got to really go in there and spend at least thirty minutes. If you restaurant people or food people like yourself, you'll go and sit down at a restaurant and you'll look around, and you'll be like, "Wow, that was impressive." I just I just dropped that fork on the ground and they picked it up immediately it's it's little things like not everybody's going to think like that yeah no the quality of the the quality of the service and you know truth is not unique in that 
in that sense. I mean, like the the dining room experience at Corkscrew, for example, is fantastic. Yeah. They do a great job. But I do, I do think you guys do a, a particular, just, you know, if there's like a family and they need some help managing their tray and their yeah. drinks, like you've got people that are dedicated to doing that. Yeah. If you want, you know, more napkins or a refill or, you know, and it's not, it's not a full service environment, Yeah, but, but it's a really complete experience with a lot of hospitality in it. And, yeah. and I think that's to your credit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I just want it to be. A full-on experience. I, I mean, Corey, Corey takes care of a lot of that stuff. He, when you, if if I get back from Brenham or me and my father get back from Brenham on on Sunday, it'll that restaurant will look like the day before we opened it. And I don't know, I don't, I don't know how it gets back like that, but it's just like constant cleaning and picking stuff up, and it's it's impressive. It's still impressive to me. Yeah. When I get back in town, so I appreciate it. And you've been tweaking the menu a little bit. I mean, there was a couple of new sausages when I was there. Yeah. Um, hopefully more. Getting to play with more meats and recipes and stuff like that. Uh, we're finally just... there. We've had to make so many tweaks with that damn pit room between the way we cook, switching out the smokestacks and the vent hoods, and it could, I could go on forever. It was a it was a big learning curve, to, to say the least. <laughs> And now I'm, you know, all of our cooks are feeling confident and in gear and we're not having, having to tweak anything and it's easier to be a little bit more relaxed and take focus off of that and focus on other things. So like what's one thing you want to, you, you want to fool around with? Um, different proteins that you wouldn't really see in, in Texas. Um, and a lot of that inspiration comes from, I would say Billy up in, in, uh, in New York. I mean, I did, there's so many people in, in, in Texas barbecue that can execute brisket and pork ribs and sausage so good now. I mean, it's, it's just, I feel like it's time for a little bit of a change. Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm getting to the, uh, I'm, I'm getting the high sign that, that we're running a little bit long. So I, I know I've done the lightning round with you before, but I, I'm still going to ask you five easy questions and I want five short answers yeah so leonard just say leonard say the first thing that comes to mind what is your what is your favorite meat to cook oh man this is not very lightning no probably uh, i like to cook steaks i I, I will accept that because unlike brisket if i mess it up i can just throw another one on there (laughs) (laughs) Um, you've been living in the Heights for a little while now. What is your weeknight dinner go-to? Right now, squabble or La Lucha. I switch off. What is your, uh, who's your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Oh, Akeem Olajuwon. Yeah. Where is your favorite place in town to get a taco? We eat at Laredo Taco right down the street I, from I the restaurant so a, much. That is a very respectable answer. Uh, either that or we'll go to Michoacan in the morning and pick up everything and we'll just throw them together in the back, in the back <laughs> for breakfast. And then uh, finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what is your go-to pizza order? What are your, what are your toppings? So my favorite pizza toppings are uh, arugula, uh, parmesan, uh, thinly sliced parmesan, um, pepperoni, and prosciutto. 
Nice. That's just my. I don't know why I like that those flavors so much. I just smoky, peppery, yeah, creamy. Yeah, I'm in all of those things. Yeah. All right, give us the the website and all that for Truth Barbecue. Uh, www.truthbbq.com. Uh, I don't think there's any slashes or anything there. No, so it should be truthbbq.com. We can get all your catering inquiries, uh, online orders, and I think there's a link to No Kid Hungry on there too. So pretty much anything Truth Barbecue you can find on there. <laughs> Leonard, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. This is your periodic reminder that you can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. I always appreciate your comments and your feedback. You can always email me, eric, E-R-I-C, at culturemap.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.